tonight is, is Wednesday, July 22nd, and the title of this message is Choked by Life. Uh, I want to turn to Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 5, and this may be familiar to you because uh, on Sunday, our pastor brought a message um, on Sunday. I'm trying to think what, what he, the, the title was. It was uh, Transgendered Gospel, right? And, and he, uh, towards the end of his message, he, he, he got into this, this parable of the sower, and that's where I'm going to start tonight. But he, he spent a lot of time, and I'm back there like, oh man, he's walking all over my message. But, you know, I'm just, you know, joking because not really, because when, when, when we, uh, when God is, is speaking the same thing over and over, we know that it must be important. So it wasn't like I was going to change my message because this was my message. Uh, but it's it's clearly going to go a different direction. But I want to start there uh, again tonight, so it might just be a refresher for you. Uh, Luke uh, eight verse five. I just want to read it, and then then I just want to start sharing some thoughts uh, about this passage. Uh, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew, grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. And then I want to go on just to the, where, where Jesus gives the explanation in verse 11. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart, with a noble and good heart, who hears the word, retains it, and by persevering produces a crop. You know, I, I love this particular passage because it's so clear. Many times Jesus spoke in parables and he spoke almost cryptically, and and, and sometimes we, we grasp grasp to, to understand what he's what he's trying to say. But in this particular passage, he goes on. To, to, to give the explanation. He tells us exactly what he means. So there's really no, there's no misunderstanding. There's no misconceptions. It, it's so plain and simple. And so this is easy tonight. This is real easy to, uh, to, to, to get into and, and to fully absorb what, what he's saying here. Uh, Eric on Sunday, he, he, he got into this, uh, into this passage and he was talking about, uh, God sowing his image in us. The seed was his image that was being planted in us. And he was talking about how important that seed for it to be unadulterated, it had to be pure, it couldn't be modified, otherwise it wouldn't reproduce. And, and that was a good word. And, 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 uh, and so, like I said, I'm just going to leap from where Eric left off. Uh, in these, uh, you know, these 15 verses, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot that can be preached, there's a lot that can be said. Uh, Eric, you know, he, he spent quite a bit of time, uh, and, 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 and 
So I don't think I really want to preach the whole message on this, but I do want to cover just a few points. Uh, I just want to mention uh, before I do uh, one thing. Uh, this is months ago, and Brent, you probably don't even remember, uh, but we're sitting in, um, in 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 our little meeting. I don't even know what it's called. What's our meeting called, JJ? But we were we were, yeah, we were just in a love Jesus uh, meeting. And, and, and Brent was talking about this passage. It's funny because it's been a reoccurring message, you know, at least in my life. And, uh, and Brent was saying in this passage, sometimes we, we, uh, we, we overlook, you know, the, the broader meaning of it. Sometimes we, we apply it to just salvation. You know, the salvation message was preached and, 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 and sometimes it falls on good soil, sometimes on, on, you know, bad soil. But, but he mentioned, uh, that night, that it could be, it could be, uh, you, you can apply this to any word. You know, any word on Wednesday night, any word on Sunday morning, any word in your prayer time, any word that God is trying to speak to, you can apply this to because a word as it goes out, what kind of soil is it going to fall on? And so I walked away that night. I was like, man, that is so true. And so uh, I, I've utilized that, you know, in my life. And, uh, it is a good, it's a good word, Brent. Uh, but there's just a couple of points uh, that, that I want to just just want to go over just real quick. Uh, the first one, the seed, very clear. Eric said it. Jesus said it. It's very pure. It, it, it's it's the word of God. The seed that goes out, it's the word of God. And it's interesting that this word, uh, you know, uh, is the Greek word logos. And I don't know about you. I know some of, some of y'all grew up in in the uh, you know the charismatic movement, the uh, the faith movement, and and for a long time, you know, they, they talked about logos and, and rhema. And, and I, and I never really knew until I was studying this word, but I had always grown up to know that logos was the written word of God and rhema was, you know, the spoken word of God. It was almost like a little private little revelation that God would give you. And, 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 and those two words were thrown around a whole lot, but it didn't take long just to look at this word logos that, uh, it's used, it's used all in the New Testament. It was like 350 times in the New Testament that it was used. And, you know, probably three quarters of the time that it was used, it was used in a way where someone was speaking. So I was like, oh, well, that, well I guess what I thought my whole life, that, that is wrong. It's not just God's written word. Uh, the, 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 the real simple definition of logos, it's God's manifested thoughts could be written could be spoken, uh, implied. There's lots of different ways that it was used in the New Testament, but it's God's manifested thoughts. And if you remember in John, that same word is used in the first book of John. Uh, you know, Jesus was the word. You see, because he was the perfect manifested thought, the, fir- the, the God's perfect plan. I mean, that's what Christ was. You know, he was God's uh, very, uh, ideas and thoughts manifested, you know, here on this world, right in front of us. Uh, the soil. It's our heart. Jesus said it. He said it's our heart. The soil in this parable is our heart. And then the third thing I, I want to key in on is the fruit. Uh, the NIV says, uh, crop. But but the uh, I think the King James mentions fruit, but I think fruit is is a, is a better word, and uh, it it doesn't need an explanation. Jesus didn't change it. He 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 uh, he left it that it, the 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 very idea of this parable, uh, the 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 theme, the idea behind it is fruit. Is 
reproduction I want to get straight to the heart of my message. I want to look at the seed, the second seed, the seed that was thrown out and it sprouted, but it was choked by thorns. It was choked by thorns. And this message, I, I, I just have to mention that you know, yes, I'm here standing here speaking with you, but, but this message, uh, it originated God speaking to me. God was almost, almost always, if, I, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to be sharing something, it's always going to be something that God has is, is impressed in my life. God is teaching me. God is, is preaching to me, and, and this is something that He's impressing in, in my life. So just know, first of all, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I'm preaching to myself. This is something that I'm trying to work uh, into my life. And so I'm sharing that. But just know, first of all, you know, this is this is something that God is, is working in my heart. But this this seed, the seed that sprouted and it, and, it, and it grew, there was life in this seed. But the but the but but the life was being choked by these thorns. And Jesus said these thorns were life's worries, riches and pleasures. When I was, I was, uh, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I was born again as a teenager. And, uh, you know, I, I served him the best that I could, but it was, it was, it was a rough, rough teenage years. And, um, but uh, I want to say I was thinking about it tonight and, and my wife, she's real good with dates and she can correct me if I'm wrong. But, I want to say it was right at nine years ago. I remember it was in July. I remember it was in the first month of, uh, uh, it was in the first beginning of, of July, nine years ago. But, uh, my life had taken a turn, uh, for the worst and, uh, it's got involved in all kinds of, uh, just ridiculous things, drugs, alcohol, crime. And, and, and my life kind of at that time kind of just culminated. It, it kind of came to a head and, and, and I found myself in prison and I was, I was doing a hard time, and and uh, and and looking back, I, I don't look back on that as a terrible thing at all. It was it was the grace of God. It was the turned to be a real blessing in my life. Um, uh, you know, God will He'll go to great lengths to get our attention, and, and that's what He did in my life. Uh, he snatched me and 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 uh, and put me in uh, TDCJ and. Um, what it did for me was it, it kind of just tuned out the world. Not completely. I mean, because there's problems in there. Let me tell you, there's, there's issues and challenges, you know, w with that. But it, it, it probably knocked down the level of the world. Probably, I would say, at least 20 dBs or so. And, and, and it helped me kind of focus. It kind of helped me redirect my energy and my thoughts um, because you got a lot of you got a lot of spare time, you know, a lot of spare time to think and contemplate, and 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 at that time, I, I really begin to cry out to God, and I, I really begin uh, just to get really desperate in my life, and uh, as I begin to cry out to Him, He responded in a in a in a really uh, in a real incredible way, and uh, you know, out of the, that that time, uh, it, it changed my life, you know. I, I cried out and, and, and I just 
at that time, I just rededicated my life and repurposed my life. And, and, uh, and obviously, you know how that turns out because I'm here. You know, you, you, you see the result of that, that time nine years ago that I was locked up and, and, uh, and God used that time. But during that time, I, 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 you know, even though I was crying out to God, I, I wrestled with God in one point. See, because I had, I had, it was so obvious, not to myself, but also to everyone that I came in contact with. You know, my life was a train wreck, you know. Uh, I, had, I had burned every bridge. I, I had burned every person, any, any, you know, family, friends. You know, I turned my back on, on family, kids. Uh, you know, I was a terrible person. I, and and it, it's, it, it, was, it was easy and plain, you know, to say that and admit that. Uh, and so for me, when, when, I, when I wanted to, to come to Christ and, and I, wanted, I wanted things to get better in my life, the, the truth of it was I wanted Christ to fix my life. I wanted a better life, but I didn't want to, I, I, I didn't, I, I wanted, I still wanted to hang on to some of it. You know, I, I just wanted to live a normal life. See, I didn't live a normal life for so long. I, I, I lived on the extreme, on the edge. And so, so when I was coming back to Christ, and, and I'm just speaking real. I'm just being real with y'all tonight, you know. And uh, and so I, I remember wrestling with God over this. That that I, I, yes, I, I wanted to dedicate my life to Him. Yes, I wanted to serve Him, but I, I wanted to do it kind of on my terms. You know, I wanted I wanted to have a normal life. I wanted to be able to get out one day and and stay off you know, drugs, you know, I wanted to be able to work a normal job, have a family, and just all the, all the things that most normal people did. That's all I, in my heart, that's what I really wanted. I wanted God to help me do that. But, you know, as I'm, you know, as I'm praying and seeking and I'm, I'm, I'm just really digging into his word and I just knew I, God is just, it's just, I mean, it's just working in my heart and, and I just knew that was wrong and that was that was not going to be part of the deal that wasn't the program that he offered you know the 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 program of Christ is is that we come and lay our life down that we come and die you know Jesus uh told his disciples you know if you don't hate mother uh father mother wife kids uh brother uh sister you know your your own, your own life that you could even be a disciple you know that's the program of Christ is that you give everything you know your hopes your dreams aspirations you know everything you give it to him that that's that's the bargain and it is a bargain because you give him whatever your life is or what you think it might be one day you give that to him and for you it's everything but see when you give that to him and see today you know i, I realize it is a bargain because see i gave him it was pretty pathetic okay now i look back and i realize what i gave him was pretty pathetic and what he gives me, he gives me in return. I get the keys of the kingdom. You know, I, I get so much more in return. You know, I, it, it's, it's like that great pearl. You know, the, the man went and sold all that he had. He wasn't whining and crying because he had to pay everything. He realized what a bargain he got. The little that he paid for this great treasure. And so as I wrestled through these things, I finally had to get to a point where I had to realize... If I'm going to do this, it's, it's all or nothing. You know, I had to count the cost of this thing, and I realized I couldn't make any deals. I'd made deals my whole life with God. God, if you just get me out of this one jam, you know, one more time, if you just, you know, just help me out here, 
you know, uh, I, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll do better, or, you know, whatever, you know, I, I would promise him. But I, I knew this time that God was making it, I mean, just very clear that there were no, there were no deals to be had. You give him everything or you walk away. And, uh, and at, you know, I, it didn't take me long. I didn't contemplate for days or anything because really I didn't really have much. So I, at some point I, I just dove all the way in this thing and I said, the heck with it. You know, I, I, I've worked this thing for, you know, almost 30 years and, and I've got nothing. I've got nothing. So I dove head, you know, uh, first into this. But God, in this parable, he's trying to impart his image into us. He wants his will to be manifested in our lives. But the very life, the essence of God is being pushed back upon. In the parable, it's the thorns. But Jesus tells us, in reality, it's the things that concern us. For me, I'm just speaking, you know, me. What pushes the life of God out of my life? What, 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 what challenges those things, those workings in my life? For me, you know, work. I, I put work at the top of the list. You know, when I leave here, when I leave my home, when I leave the church, work, it dominates a lot of my time. You know, bills. Uh, you know, movies, TV, internet, all these things that concern me, consume me. They push back as God's trying to pour into my life. It's beginning to choke and push those things back. And so for me, God has really been, you know, working in my life and, and, and just addressing this, these issues because see, for me, the, the, the greatest tragedy in my life has been uh, drugs, you know, cocaine, uh, crack. I mean, just all those things, all those, I mean, horrible, horrific things. Okay, those are the things that, that, that I battled. And so, I mean, obviously today, those aren't, you know, issues. You know, I, don't, I don't have these incredible uh, struggles with sin. I, I, I don't have all this incredible uh, struggles you know, it, it's not big, giant things in my life today. It, it's, 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 it's these thorns that creep into my life. It's these cares that gradually come in. And they squeeze the life of God out of me. And what happens, um, it happens gradually. It, it never happens. I mean, the enemy is so slick. I mean, the enemy never just jumps in there and just, you know, takes you out of God's presence because it's too bold. I mean, you would you'll be like, whoa, heck no. But he does it gradually. Um, There's there some I, I don't know what it was, uh, some fable or something. I think it was a, a frog. What is it? Huh? A frog. You put him in the pan. You put him in the pan and you just gradually turn up the heat and he's getting cooked and he don't even know. But you just do it real slowly. And, and, and that's that's the principle here at work against me. And God is is like, you know, telling me this in the beginning. It's like, that ain't me. No, no. And what I have to emphasize tonight on all of these things that I mentioned, I mean, you have to fill in the blanks. I'm just saying some things that are that are that are real in my life that 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 I've had to pinpoint because stuff like this, when God is dealing with you in in a real personal way, you have to put your finger on things. You have to put your finger on tangible things 
not just broad things. So for me, you know, I had to make a list, you know, of things that were that were choking, uh, you know, choking God's life in me. And and you know, the thing I, I have to mention is that these things are not in themselves uh, evil. In themselves, it's not sin. Okay. So that's not what we're talking about here. Not that they couldn't be, but I'm saying generally that's not that's not the issue here. And this is why you, it, we have to take real special care with these things. And, and like I said I, I just speak from my own personal life, but for me these things, it's just busyness. Okay, we know that you know unless we we've got our hand. On the plow, and and we're and we're plowing, you know, eternal things, and and we're we're sowing into the kingdom. The, you know, there's only certain things in this life that have eternal rewards. I mean, we all know that this is these are some elementary things. These things that choke the life out of us. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're sin. It's busyness. It's idleness. At the end of the day, I heard someone uh, mention one time that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. You don't go anywhere. <laughs> busyness. And I just have to mention also that these things, sometimes to a certain extent, they're necessary. Listen, my job is necessary. I mean, it'd be silly for me to tell you that, hey, God wants me to step away from my work. No, God has put me in a place of leadership. Uh, you know, I'm the priest of my home. And part of that is as I'm going to provide for my, for my family. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, establish, you know, something for them. And that's godly. And that, 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 that's a, you know, that's what God desires. Uh, there, there's a scripture in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that, that, that's thrown around here a lot. And Paul tells the church at Thessalonica that the, uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. All right, so we know it's, it's healthy uh, to work and, and to stay busy. And uh, so I'm not saying that in any way. In 2 Corinthians 11.23, Paul was uh, speaking uh, to the church and, and, he, and he was kind of just being bold and... and uh, he, and he said that he worked harder than all of them. He was almost doing it, you know, in, in a way it was bragging. So it, I'm not discouraging work. I'm not discouraging things. I'm not, I'm not telling you that the, as a church, we're drawing the line here and, and, and on this side, you know, it's holiness and righteousness. And on this other line is, is just, you know, slackers just come on the other side. I'm not saying that in any way, but I'm saying that in my life, God has, has, has 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 brought warning in my life. See, in this parable, the parable of the seed that was choked by the thorns, it didn't say that the seed died and went to hell. He didn't say that. It said it did not mature. It did not reproduce. It did not produce fruit. There was no crop. So what's at hand here is fruit. As believers, as Christians, listen, this has to be our goal in life. And Eric so hit on this so well on Sunday. And that's why I feel like this is just a part two. This is just a, uh, you know, phase two of that message. You know, these are some of the things that will get in the, in the way of that 
replication that Eric was talking about on Sunday, this is what gets in the in my way the most. It's not huge things. There may be some of us out there dealing with huge sin, and they need to, you know, you know, they need some discipline. But I'm saying in my life, it's these little thorns that gradually choke things out of my life. Uh, It's important that we keep a right order of things. And, and the scripture that, that I thought of that just, just so clearly just spells this out, it's uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You guys are good. But I printed notes tonight, so... <laughs> Amen. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. She was busy, is what the word is saying. She was busy. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus replies, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's important to keep the right order of things. In this passage, listen, there are times when, when it's the season to work. It's the season uh, to do things. Uh, it's, it's, it's a season to be active. In this passage, Jesus, the Christ, the God of the universe is sitting right there. And in that moment, He is willing and He is trying to impart knowledge. He's trying to impart truth. And Martha is just carried away with all the things that need to get done. I mean, it's easy to make a case, you know, for what was happening here, because in, in most of us, we, we, we're all very involved in, in, in church work and, and behind the scenes, and, and I don't feel like there's any one person that, that carries a load. We, we all work very hard, and, 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 and that's important. But the right order of things is there's a time just to be still. And see, in this moment, Christ was right there and he's trying to say something and she was too busy to listen. See, in that moment, see, she was out of order. And see, in my life, there's times to just to get it done. We spent so much work up here, Matt. I mean, it was ridiculous how much work we did up here. You know, the sleepless nights, the, uh, the, 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 the late night taco runs, you know, uh, I mean, there's seasons and there's times for that. But for me, God is saying, hey, you, you just need to be more sensitive when, when to stop. Busyness at the right time is, okay, fine. But there's times when busyness is not always the right answer. It's not always the go-to thing. And sometimes in my life, it's just too easy just to stay busy. And, and when you're busy, sometimes you miss the soft voice of God trying to teach you trying to instill some kind of principle in your life. Uh, my my father-in-law, uh, Pastor uh, Smalley, one thing he used to always say, and, and it's funny how things today come back and, and just, you know, I don't want to say haunt me because that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. 
he would always say, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I would always say it's, it's, it was silly, but today it's like, it is so true, honey, it's true. Today, as believers, as Christians, sometimes we get complicated. Men, like I said, I'm just, this is just me. Maybe not y'all. Maybe this is just me. But we make things too complicated. And I feel like in this message that God is trying to speak to my life is, is the, the busyness. Sometimes we forget what is really important. Sometimes I lose focus. I, I'm not keeping the main thing the main thing. Uh, I want to talk about the life of God because really that's the contrast. The contrast tonight in this in this parable is really it's it's the life of God versus our life. To me, that's that's what the cares, the worries, the riches, the pleasures. See, that's just me. That's that's just my stuff. And see, it's opposing the very nature of God that's trying to come into my life. And so I, I just wanted to mention a couple of scriptures about the life of God. Just a couple of scriptures that just came to me and I felt like just really served very well here. Uh, Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person... written." And this is the King James. Uh, this is... Uh, Pastor Smalley would always say this, and I don't even know how the NIV says... Okay, the NIV says it's something different, but the King James, I like the way the King James says it. Uh, it says... The blessings of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. See, that's, that's the kind of God that we serve. See, he can, he can make things happen in our life, and it, it adds no trouble. You know, the priest, as they worked and served, uh, one of, one of the, the regulations is, is, is uh, in, in the, the type of garments they wore. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember offhand, but I, I, was it, they weren't supposed to wear cotton. Is that what it was? Or what, what was it? It was something relating. It had to be a light. I forget. Some kind of regulation. But, but the point was they, they were to wear light garments because when they were working and serving before God, they weren't to sweat because, see, working for God was not really work. Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I think it's interesting to think that he's not saying it's going to be easy. It's not going to be, you know, smooth sailing. No, he's saying, he says, he's got a yoke. You know, we're going to carry a yoke, but he's saying it's going to be light. He's going he's gonna to help us endure. He's going to help us carry it. So it's not a free ride. But the work of God is not truly work. I wrote down a, a quote by John Wesley. He says, I desire to have both heaven and hell ever in my eye while I stand on this isthmus of this life between two boundless oceans I read this uh, many years ago, and I, I used it in, in a message. I used to be a youth pastor, and I don't remember what the message was, but I remembered this quote, and, and it's so interesting. And I don't know why this quote just just grabs me. I guess because it's it's just it's just a real vivid image of 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 life, you know, in this life, you know, and just like in this parable, we, we got two opposing forces that are just coming at us, 
and uh, and it's important just to be aware of that. You know, we're, we're, we're you know one side we're, we're seeing you know we're seeing this and we're seeing that, but it's important just to keep those eternal implications always in front of us, always to be aware of that, and not to be confused or, or deceived in that. Uh, when I was putting this message together, um, there was many there was many. Uh, stories I probably could have pulled out of the scripture, uh, you know, of this uh, to give illustrations. I mean, it, it was there was many stories, but the one that really just that just really struck me and 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 it seemed like it really fit well was was uh, in, in Luke sixteen. I don't know why a lot of these are just Luke, 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 Doctor Luke. I love Luke. Uh, my mind is is very uh, analytical. Uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, I just like facts, and so that's why Luke really speaks to me. Uh, but in in Luke 16, this is the uh, the story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and uh, and I'm not going to read because it's kind of a long story, and I, I don't know how I'm doing on time, but I'm going to get straight to the end of it. Uh, oh, oh, let's let's read 16:25. Uh, this is in the middle of the story. Uh, we know this rich man. We, we know that uh, he doesn't give us a lot of details. He doesn't give us a name, but we know that he was rich. It said uh, he lived basically a lavish lifestyle. And when he died, uh, he went to hell. And this is uh, a- Abraham speak- speaking to him. Uh, it says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you're in agony. There, there, there's, there's, there seems to be a principle in this passage, and there's other ones I, I might mention. But what Abraham told Lazarus is that he received basically his reward now in this life, and he was punished in the next. This rich man, he got caught up. He got caught up just like that seed. He got caught up in, in the here and the now the you know the riches and the pleasures he got caught up in it and it so squeezed out the life of god that i mean he busted hell wide open in this story uh in matthew uh chapter 6 verse 2 uh jesus says when you give to the needy don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others truly i tell you they have received their reward in full and again the same principle god is talking about He's speaking to the to the hypocrites, uh, the the Pharisees and 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 the leaders at that time. Uh, when they gave, they would do it in a real open fashion, where everybody, would, hey, look at look at what I'm doing. And what Jesus said is, he, what he says is that the reward, their reward is is that they're getting acknowledged. You know, they're getting acknowledged, and that's their reward. So they totally miss the reward in the next life. They missed out because they got theirs now. There's something about if if you want your reward now, you'll miss out later. Luke 12:33, Jesus says, "Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where where thief does not come near and no moth destroys." We know that there's an eternal reward that awaits us if, if, if we're sowing and, and we're working towards that. There's things that we can do that we can assure a reward for us in the next life. 
We don't, we choose not to receive it now. We don't want to miss out later. We, we, we choose to, to neglect certain things in our life, in this life, because we, we're looking for the next life. Uh, the, the, the next, uh, the next one that I, I, I wanted to read or even just mention, uh, in, in Genesis 13, 10, uh, Lot, you remember when, 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 um, uh, Abraham and, and Lot, uh, they, they got to quarreling and, 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 and fighting and, and, and Abraham finally said, uh, hey, hey, this is not good. Uh, you, you just go pick a direction and whatever you pick, I'll go the other direction. And, uh, and these are both godly men. They're both, you know, Lot is spoken of, uh, of well, you know, uh, in the whole, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, tragedy. I mean, he, he, he was, he, he was considered righteous. You know, he was rescued, he was saved. But in that moment, uh, you know, the blessing of God was with, you know, Abram, right? I mean, that's where God's spirit was. And so in his short-sightedness, when he was given the choice, you know, left, right, you know, he, he chose, the Bible said he chose the green, uh, lush areas, you know, uh, the, he went into the cities. In the cities, I mean, hey, I'm a city boy. I've always grown up in the city, and and the reason I I, I like this city because I mean there's 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 Walgreens on every corner, my friend. <laughs> I mean, there there's things there that, that that could be had in the city. I mean, you know, comfort and ease. I mean, you know, I, I've lived out in the country a little bit, and and it it it, it, it you know it's it's not as nice. <laughs> Nothing against uh, country living, but Lot was short-sighted in this in this moment he was looking for personal gain he was looking towards the city about of what it could afford him i mean the city didn't magically change evil as soon as he went there with his family it was evil to begin with i mean it was obvious i mean he chose wrongly that day we understand that and then god had to go and rescue him so we know the end of that um I don't know if I can, I need a glass of water. My throat is like killing me. Oh, bless you, brother. The next thing I want to talk about, um, uh, I kind of cut my teeth, you know, kind of growing and, and, and being discipled uh, with Pastor Smalley, uh, watch my knee. I don't know, uh, a Chinese man uh, lived in, uh, the uh, like the I think he was born in the 1920s and I think he was he was martyred in in the late 50s, uh, but I mean he he had some incredible uh, writings and 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 I really I really spent a lot of time reading and 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 learning uh, Watchman Nee and and there's there's this one he 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 devoted a lot of time to this and, and obviously I'm not going to go into that now but there was this idea and he called it the thing in hand. And basically this idea was that when we come to Christ, you know, obviously when we come to Christ, before Christ, I mean, we're not just walling around not doing anything. We're busy. We're, we're, we're doing all kinds of things. We're, we're living our lives and, and whatever it is that we do. And when we come to Christ, we come to Christ with baggage. You, you know what I'm saying? I had a lot of baggage. But that baggage would be the thing in hand. When we come to Christ 
and the call comes to us, He beckons us to come and follow Him, and then we look at all this stuff that we've gotten tied up and entangled with. And so very simply, this thing in hand is this principle. As, as human beings, you know, I'm just a physical, uh, just a normal person. I'm not, I have no superhuman strength. I, I only have certain uh, abilities. I, I, I'm, I'm limited in many ways. I, let's say I have the ability uh, tonight to, to and, and this might be generous, I, I, maybe I could pick up 100 pounds with this hand. I, I don't know, right? I'm going to say at least 100 pounds. But that's it. This is the capacity that I'm able to handle. If, if, if Brother Wade says, hey, could you, could you, could you take 10 more pounds? I, I may want to, I, you know, but I, I'm, I'm physically limited. This is beyond my ability to car- carry anymore. In our lives, it is that way. You know, God has given us a, a certain capacity. We're only allowed to, 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 to work and, and, and do in a certain capacity. And that's just the truth. I mean, it, to me, it, it's just a real simple truth. I mean, you know, God can, can give us strength and, and He can, He can, uh, you know, help us exceed that and all those things. Okay. That, and, and that's all true. But nonetheless, in my physical capability, I am limited. And what happens is, as, as, as I allow things to come in, I get busy. See, I have a certain amount that I can carry. And so in this life, God has his logos, his manifested thoughts, desires, and plans in my life. Okay, he wants these things to come to pass, fruition. He wants them to be made truth in my life. And what happens is, is see, it takes all of this capacity to achieve that. And see, what happens is in my life, I start adding things into this. And remember, the soil is our heart. This heart has... It, it, it's only so much, okay? And so even with good things, I'm going to say even, even just normal, good, healthy things, sometimes it, it's, it's misplaced because one thing I've learned in this life, it's this, you know what? If this is not right in my life, then you can forget about this. And when I mean this, I mean, I mean good things, my wife, my children, work, etc. I mean, this has to supersede Everything else, everything else. I remember the same night that Brent was 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 sharing uh, 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 his his thoughts about that parable in the sower. Teresa threw her two cents in, and it messed with me. It messed with me a little bit, and uh, and she said something to this effect that, you know, if 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 we if we are too busy. If we're too busy and it interferes with our quiet time, it interferes with us reading and, and the things, all the things that we should be doing. If, if, if we're too busy and, and, and that's a problem, then you're just too busy. And I was like, I wanted to sit down kind of like, because that's me. You know, that was me. And then, and then walking away from that meeting, I, I realized, you know, I, I've got to start reassessing things in my life. Not saying busyness is wrong, but when it when it takes the place, it begins to edge out God in our lives. Then it's a problem. It's a problem. It don't matter how many good things that you're involved in. If it's edging God out of your life, then it's a problem. It's a problem. And so I realized very quickly 
that I had some issues that I had to get on top of. John 3.30 says, He must become greater, I must become less. I didn't have time to put together visuals and all that stuff I wanted to. I kind of, yeah, I didn't get to, but but if, if I was going to have an illustration, it would have been uh, uh, one of those balance uh, uh, scales, you know, uh, one of those old-timey ones. I could have a, a fulcrum and, and then a bar, and then, you know, you'd put, you know, something off each end, and and uh, and that would be my illustration. And, and on each side, one would be, you know, uh, God's life, and then the other side would be my life. And so it's always in a constant battle, you know, and the, and, and the, and the, and the scale would be, would be the soil, would be my heart. You know, this, this, is, this battle is in my heart. And, uh, and so, so just, think, just think that that's up there, and, and I'm displaying that to you all tonight. So just get a... a Brent's good. Brent, when he comes up here, he's got all of the, the sharp slides and stuff, and I, I wanted to, but I didn't. I was doing good just to get my little message prepared. <laughs> uh, so Teresa, too busy is, is sometimes very dangerous. Uh, we, can, we combat the thorns in our life by simplifying things. That's the answer to, to the thorns. You know, in a garden, I, my wife gardens. I, I help her to the best, I, you know, I can. And, and it's a lot of work, you know. I mean, it's a constant battle, my goodness. You know, right now, I mean, I think we, we done lost our battle. It's, it's, we're going to try again next year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think we had too much rain or something. I don't know. Um, but the thorns, you know, I mean, you know, you got to get in there and rip those things out. And, you know, we might one day, you know, spend time ripping things out and you come back the very next day and bam, they're there right back again. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work. It's a lot of work tearing these things out of our life. It, it, it's not just a one time, uh, you know, proposition. It, it is it is an endless battle. Uh, I couldn't help but think of Matthew six twenty four. Jesus speaking, he says that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you will love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you will eat or drink about, uh, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. I'm going to get right down just to the end of, of, of this passage. But he says in verse 33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. Again, to me, what I take away after I read that is it's simplify, simplify. He's saying, hey, you don't need to be busy with all those things anyway. Because he's, he's promising that if we have our hearts right, if we have our attitudes right, He's going to take care of all of those things. All those things that concern us and worry us and, and you know, that we, we spend up, uh, we stay up late at night worrying about. He says, hey, if we just get the right uh, perspective, He's going to take care of all that stuff. Simplify, simplify. Uh, I'm going to enter the, the, uh, uh, the next phase, part two of this message, and I'm going to go through it real quickly. This is uh, this was real uh, enlightening to me. The first part of, of this message was things that we can do 
to rid ourselves of this unnecessary busyness, unnecessary burdens, okay? But we also know, on the other hand, there are certain things that we, we can't get away from, okay? Uh, we work uh, as, as mothers. I, I mean, my, my wife will every now and then leave Levi with me, you know, for, let's say, all day. And it is, I mean, I have a new respect for moms, and, and, uh, and I never realized... I, I didn't, I, I mean, I knew it was, it was, it was work, but I, I didn't quite realize it is, it is just very tiring in it. And so what I'm saying is mothers, I mean, they're busy. They're, they're working. I mean, you can't, you can't neglect that. I mean, you know, there, there are certain responsibilities that we can't shirk, that we can't get away from. Okay. There are certain things that, that, that even if we simplify and, and, and we try to, uh, uh, shed all this unnecessary things, we still have, ha, are left with a core of our, uh, a core responsibilities and duties that we cannot get away from. Okay. So, there's only so much that we can rid ourselves from. Then the second part of this message is, well, what do we do with the rest? Because even necessary things, good necessary things, you know, the same with mothers. I mean, it's hard to, for me not to realize that. I mean, you, you can't get any more, uh, you know, real than, than motherhood. I mean, because you, you can't stop not for a second. I mean, there is no rest. There is, I mean, it, it is, it is always there. It's a duty that, that can, you, you don't just get to take off and walk away from. At least with my job, you know, uh, there, there are some days, if I got a light day, I can, you know, I can burn off early and, and run home. You know, there's times, uh, you know, I got easy days. I mean, I got hard days, but, you know, I, I have a lot of control over it with, 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 uh, with children and mothers. I mean, it, it is constant. And so the second part of this message is how do we deal with those sort of things? Things that we cannot get away from. Because I'm telling you, at the end of, of one day, let's say uh, one, one day of watching Levi, I love my son. He is so much fun. And, and we, we just, we get together and, and we just, man, we just have a good time. But at the end of the day, I am wore out. Okay, I am wore out. And when, when my wife comes home, I am so glad. I am so glad. <laughs> so there are certain stresses with these obligations, these duties that we have. And so that's what I want to talk about. And I want to, and I want to get to the, really, I think this is really the heart of my message. I think, I think all this is, is setting up for this right here. To me, uh, what God was instructing, what God was teaching me, this this last part to me had I think it had the greatest impact, if you will. It 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 caused me uh, more repentance than 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 anything, more than the first part. Uh, I want to read John seventeen fifteen. Don't turn there. Y'all turn to John thirteen. Uh, but John seventeen fifteen, Jesus says, "My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one." See, God, it was never God's design that you know He He pull us out of the world and, and we live in some commune or, or something. You know, as beautiful and wonderful as that might sound, that was never the purpose of God. The purpose of God was yes, He pulls us out of the world. You know, He puts His His spirit in us, but He puts us right back in the world. I mean, that was the plan of God is that is that we go back and then we're the light and then and then we go and rescue people. I mean, the plan is is that we live and we exist in this life. It was never to be 
outside of, of, of your co-workers, outside of your children, outside of, of, of whatever your little realm is. That's God's. I mean, God wants us to be there. Uh, so I want to get right into John 13 and read through this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to them, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going, who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You know, out of this passage, you know, we, we, we glean and we understand lots of things. We know that Jesus is teaching us humility. He's teaching us how to be humble. He's teaching us, uh, you know, servitude, you know, how to serve. Uh, you know, we, we, we very often... Uh, liken this passage uh, to forgiveness. You know, I, I've seen lots of uh, foot washings and, and, and things along that, and, and, it, and it always was associated with, you know, forgiveness. And, and listen, and all those things are right. Uh, th- those are absolutely 100% right. But, but I, I think that there's, I think there's a, a real clear, defined, definite uh, message that, that Christ is trying to portray here. And it's just simply this, you know. In Bible times, we knew we, we know that they they wore the, the the men wore robes and 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 they wore the sandals. And when the men would 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 travel, when they traveled around, you know, their robes protected them, and their sandals, you know, obviously protected the bottoms of their feet. But as they traveled, you know, dust was was kicked up, and so as they traveled. Dust and particles were picked up on their feet, and so in in this time, I mean, Jesus, what he did was was a very customary thing. It was a very common thing. So when people would travel and, and go into other homes, uh, it, it was very common that 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 the host or whoever's home they were coming to, uh, the, the the servant or or the slaves or whoever uh, it was in a in a lowly position would go and and greet that visitor, and they would wash their feet. Because as they traveled, you know, the, the dirt and the dust were, were on their feet. And, and for me, th- this, what Jesus did, I mean, it was an illustrated sermon. 
it was a, it was a very vivid, illustrated sermon. And, and to me, it, it's, it's, it's a real simple idea. It's a real simple principle. And, and I think he, he lays it out so, so clear. You know, Jesus wasn't trying in this passage, trying to teach us, you know, good hygiene. He wasn't trying to teach us, you know, uh, you know, proper etiquette. Uh, you know, Jesus, he, he said that those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. And, it, and it's easy to understand from that, that, you know, as, as Christians and as believers, you know, you know, we've been regenerated, you know, the, the blood of Christ has, has washed us clean. You know, that, that was the bath that we've all received as believers. And so in that sense, we, we don't have to, we don't have to have many baths. I mean, that, that the, the blood has cleansed us. But what we do need, you see, in my life, I, 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 you know, you know, tomorrow morning, I, I, I will go to work. I will go to work. I will touch things. I'll come in contact with unholy people tomorrow. You know, I will come in contact with, you know, many guys in here probably work construction and, and it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. It's, it's rough on my mind and, and, you know, I'm always just trying to, <sighs> la, 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 la. But nonetheless, tomorrow morning, I will come in contact with the world. Tomorrow morning, you will come in contact with the world. It's inevitable. Just in the same way that, that as, as people traversed from one place to another, dust was picked up on their feet. In this life, as regenerated, born-again believers, yeah, we've been covered in the blood, but as we traverse in our lives, see, I, we, we, we invariably touch things. I mean, it's, it's impossible not to. And as we touch and have our dealings with the world, see, our feet is what comes in contact with that world, and we pick up dust and dirt. You know, as believers and, and, and as Christians, this, this, this touching of, 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 of earthly things, it's, 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 I mean, it's impossible. I mean, God, it was not God's plan that He takes us away from all these things. These are just necessary, normal things in our life. But what happens, it, it has a, a way of tarnishing me. And what Jesus is teaching in this passage is that, see, it's the duty. Because he says, the last part, he says, you also should wash one another's feet. It's an idea of reciprocating. He's saying not only are you going to wash, but you're also going to get washed. It is the duty of my brothers and sisters. As I become tarnished and, 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 and I've picked up certain things through the busyness of the week, you know, certain things might have been said, might have been, might have been done, and, and I'm just, I've lost my glow, if you know what I mean. I, I haven't lost my salvation. I haven't tangled with incredible, you know, evil sins. I, I, I've just been busy with, with life. In my traversing through life, it's dulled my senses. It's dulled my feet. And so in this passage, Jesus is saying, we as believers are to refresh each other. We're to, we're, we're, we're to be sensitive of our dealings with each other. And see, this brought huge, incredible conviction in my life because 
I mean, it's easy to say things. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, this, the, the, the pastors and the leaders in this church, we, we talk about how important we are to each other. You know, we lock arms together. We talk about all of those things. And, 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 and I'm not, but for me, you know, I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain. You know, it's easy to come and want to be refreshed and, and polished up. But see, the part that Jesus is teaching us is that we're to reciprocate. And, and, and the part of being able to reciprocate is, is we have to be in a position where we can do that. If, if I'm going to be any good to you, see, I, I've got to have things right in my own life. You know, I can't be tangled up in sin. I can't be, I can't be, you know, way out here in left field. If I'm going to refresh my brother, my sister, when I come in contact with them, hey, I, I've got to be in communication. I've got to be in communion with the Father. You know, I've got to be in a position where I can do that. And I realized, you know, as, as I was, as I was studying in, 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 in this passage, you know, and, and, and there are things in my life that, that, that have crept in. There's, 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 uh, there's thorns that, that I'm working hard feverishly to pull out of my life and, and, and get on top of. But I, the, the part that I really, I think I, I personally have missed the most in all of this, what the Lord is trying to teach me is, is this idea of refreshing the, the saintly responsibility of me to be in a right position that when I come in contact with you Wednesday night, Sunday morning, uh, at the convenience store, you know, at, uh, you know, Monday nights, to be sensitive enough, okay? To be sensitive enough and, 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 and not just be so busy with my own life, not to, not to be, you know, to be able to look beyond my world, okay? Because what God has called me to do is to refresh other believers, and we do that by this. Just could be a kind word. It could be say, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, you know, hey, you know, I've been thinking about you this week. Hey, can I pray for you? Anything. Kind words go a long way. There's many ways to refresh each other. Just a phone call. You know, I, I know this, this church is, is uh, you know, big on, on hugs. You know, just a big, a big giant hug sometimes, you know, transcends, you know, words, you know. Uh, you know, just, just, just sharing something that God is, is, is speaking in your life. Sometimes what God is speaking in my life, it might encourage another brother. And so sometimes, you know, in, in my own life, and like I said, this, this message was, was, was it, it, this is, this is uh, you know, this is God preaching to me. This is me talking to me. You know, sometimes I get so caught up in my business and my world that I neglect my brothers and my sisters. And, and for that, I, I, you know, I have to repent and, so I'm going to do better, uh, but I, but I felt I, I knew for a long time that this was the message. I, whenever you know, whenever the time was given to me uh, to come up here and speak, it, it was going to be the parable of the sower. It was going to be uh, we've got to work hard, uh, you know, in, in the soil of our heart to to keep it free from thorns. You know, we we want we want God's life to flow unimpeded. You know, in us. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do a better job. You know. You know, refreshing and being sensitive to my brothers and, and my sisters that have become tarnished uh, by by life, not sin, not not tragedies, not evilness, but just just things, just stuff. You know, just normal things. You know, uh, I've been insensitive to, and 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 you know, I, I've not I've not fulfilled 
you know, what, what Christ has, has called, you know, me to do. And, and so I know I, I've, I, I'm tonight be the first one to just to uh, repent and before the body and, and I, I want to do better.